Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm rolling. We're, we're gonna get started. Welcome to the Inner Loop Radio. I'm Rachel Koontz. And I'm Dan Knowlton, filling in for Courtney Sexton. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and check out our website at theinnerlooplit.org. For any new listeners out there here on the Inner Loop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, publishing or editing, how to make a living, or how we all just sit down each day in front of an empty page. Sometimes we play clips of local writers reading their work at our monthly reading series. Other times, we invite those writers, as well as other members of the literary community, to join our discussion. On today's show, we want to explore what makes a great character. So, Dan, have you heard of this term, funny hats? Uh, I mean, I, it's, I, I like a good funny hat. <laughs> Give your character funny hats. Oh. Give each character yeah, funny hats. Yeah, I assumed hat. you were talking about a writing thing. It's a writing thing. Well, okay. um, Neil, it's Neil Gaiman's oh, uh, really? advice for characters walk on characters and whatnot huh. just give them each a little funny something something that's funny and weird about them just give them a little funny hat a little funny hat Look, i like it yeah so what are some of <laughs> your favorite characters slash ways that authors have sort of revealed character yeah um i'm a big fan of uh really voicey first person narrators yeah and um I think sometimes you get a ton of character just from the way someone talks. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, in first person, it's sort of hard to get around that voice to actually get a visual description of the character. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you don't really know what they look like, but you can, like, you can hear them talking, you can feel them on the page. You can get a feel for their personality based yeah. on what, the way they talk, right? Yeah. And where they're from. Yeah. And what their priorities are. How they treat people. How they what, grew up. Yeah. <laughs> so much. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I've thought about like Faulkner, the way he had different narrators come in, like in yeah. As I Lay Dying specifically. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer that one over Sound and the Sound and the Fury personally. Oh. As As I Lay Dying is so much you're better. Like a, you're like a Faulkner purist there. <laughs> You're a purist there. Yeah. I mean, I generally am a purist. Fine. You have my number. But um, <laughs> yeah, I I loved it as I lay dying. And yeah. um, it's really great how he, how he develops the plot and the story um, at the same time that he's revealing the, the different characters. Um, right. Yeah. You don't want uh, like a funny character just for the sake of having a funny character like yeah it needs to and do you don't want to just like story too. flex your narrative muscles and be like i can write this from this point of view and this point of view <laughs> which maybe faulkner might have been doing a little bit okay <laughs> just flexing those yeah, muscles. kind of a show off <laughs> faulkner yeah <laughs> yeah 
Um, but the other thing I was thinking was like about Shakespeare. And I feel like so much of character development in Shakespeare was like how each character interacted with other characters. Yeah. Like, and I mean, it's, it's for the stage, right? So you can't help but picture it. And it's... Uh, people have done so many different um so many different things with his characters right you can interpret it so many different ways so i love that it's like um a shell that you know everyone has has right. seen in a different light yeah like the characters have room for interpretation yeah but there's so much that's revealed about them based on like their actions and how they make decisions based on relationships like i just feel like you know, I don't know. I'm thinking about his comedies and how all the characters mm -hmm. are just running around stage being insane. Yeah. But so much <laughs> of like who the characters are, are based on, um, how they interact with each other. Yeah. 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 You really went for the classics. Well, it's see, good. I had a class, I had a classics education, so it's really hard for me to uh, get away from it. But I'll, I was like, I was like, I'm talking about all <laughs> old white men. Like I need to yeah. really diversify my canon yeah don't we all yeah <laughs> Dan's like, I, don't, I have nothing more to say no, i read um i uh when when you were uh telling me that this was going to be about characters i was thinking the the most recent book i've read it's not super new but um uh what is it the the sky is yours mm -hmm. um by chandler kling smith and um it's this wild kind of like post-apocalyptic sort of um, setting mm -hmm. and the characters are just so wacky. They're, they're amazing. And mm. um, there's this one character who, who you, you meet him and he's um, he's just kind of like a privileged jerk. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's Speaking like. Speaking of old white men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but she, she kind of sets up this character and it, it almost felt like she was giving herself challenges in the beginning of the book. Like, yeah. <laughs> here's this cast of characters and it, it felt like she was saying like, okay, well now I have to make them interesting ah. and make you kind of want to root for them. And yeah, the characters all have crazy arcs and, um, I really recommend it. Okay. Good read. I like it. Great characters. Speaking of recommendations, let's bring in our let's bring in our guest. Well, let's do it. <laughs> Melissa Skulls Young, author of Flood and her latest novel, The Hive, available from Turner Key Light Books on June eighth. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you for having me. I'm your biggest fan. Stop Aww. it. For a very long time. <laughs> Ten years I've been stalking the inner loop, coming to readings, asking to read, bringing new work, feeling like it's a safe space. I'm so happy to be here. Um, we're so happy to have you. This is your home. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining. <laughs> so um, I feel like you have a lot to say on this subject. The Hive has four sisters, which I feel like is a lot to juggle in terms of character, distinguishing them from each other, yet making them similar enough that they're believably sisters. So how did you walk that line in the book? Four sisters and one and the mother. So really five different point of views. Um, and I mm. do not recommend doing this. I think it's a terrible, <laughs> terrible plan. I do think third person perhaps opens the door for some room um, in those descriptions. But it's it's a challenging thing to do because you're really writing five different novels. Mm. And yeah. again, you're making five times because, the work. Uh, just to clarify, the, the book is written in 
points of view of the they're, different points mm-hmm, of view. Right. Faulkner-esque, Very, as we were discussing. Right, right. It's Although, like third person close. Right. But I was raised on a, a, a dirt road in rural Missouri, so I don't have a ton of classics education, <laughs> but I have a lot of storytellers in my life. So okay. it made sense to me to have all of them from their own point of view, but they're all close thirds. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it also gives us that narrative distance to sort of play puppets with them. But um, oh, nice. That's great. It, it requires taking all of them out, rewriting the entire book from start to, mm. you know, finish and then putting it all back together. Oh, my goodness. So it's a yeah, lot of fun was, if you like that kind of stuff. I was curious about <laughs> lots and lots of work. <laughs> Dra- you like that kind you want, of... <laughs> if you really like your basement and you want to spend years <laughs> rewriting your book multiple times, it works great. Whoa. I'm, I'm curious about how you got your characters voices down did you have to do a lot of um like writing exercises even or just sections to get them talking uh, just things that weren't in the book or did Mm -hmm. you have other ways to kind of like get into into their voices into Mm -hmm. the mode into each of their voices um i spent a lot of time with them i spend Mm -hmm. i I get a journal for each character and so for months i will write everything that you may not need to know about the character but i Mm -hmm. need to know to write so every their favorite color you know, if they like their sandwiches with um, mustard and mayo, or if they're just a condiment purist, right? Um, mm-hmm. What their secrets are, what secrets they're going to tell us. So I spend a journal on each character, just getting to know who they are. And wow. sometimes, sometimes I actually really have to call somebody or ask them about it, or or I go on a lot of research trips, mm-hmm. um, trying to understand Grace, the mother in this novel, mm. was a lot of fun because I got to go on a research trip that. Um, I you know experienced something I'd never experienced because so I was trying t- to understand tell it. us more about that. What what was the what was the trip for and what did you gain? I gained um a lot of knowledge about what it was like to walk in her shoes. She was a character that I was struggling with the most. I had the least experience in my own life. Um hmm. and um Grace, the mother in the story is an apocalyptic prepper. So uh-huh. I actually went to um what's called prepper camp. Um, and I, I'm not making this part up even as a fiction writer, I swear this is a real thing. It's a three day wilderness skill building camp. It's in rural North Carolina happens every year. You too can go to prepper camp. Whoa. They will take you. And I was really trying to ask that question. What motivates grace to just hoard resources? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and what's that line between preparedness and paranoia? Like when do you cross over and justify, Something like political violence, right? Totally. So I was trying to understand so relevant. Her. So relevant. Did you have to say? <laughs> no, when, the when book you... was done last year. It's 2020. I did not write it since. <laughs> but when you went to the prepper camp, yeah. Did you tell anyone? I'm... I did. I, I mean, I think it would be dishonest to, yeah. to walk around and you yeah. know pretend. Mm. But I did actually take um, some preppers I know, um, my parents. And they were very excited to go to the camp. And I said, you know, this is novel research. I'm going because I have questions, things I don't understand. And so, I mean, I was, I was out. I talked to the um, survivor Jane and um, her, her husband. And and I was very clear about what I was doing there. I was not going to trick. I'm not a journalist. I'm not trying to trick anybody. Mm -hmm. And I, and I have to tell you, I didn't really fit in. I have to also tell you, it was very hard (laughs) for me to blend. (laughs) So, um, you know. But it was not what I expected. It was this hippie camp. I thought uh-huh. it was going to be sort of militant. And, yeah, right. you know, we were, we were learning what we could eat in the woods and about mm. solar energy and about uh, growing things. And it was um, fascinating. It was fascinating. But I really had to understand Grace. I had to walk in her shoes to really understand mm-hmm. so I could write her. Definitely. Um, in a more authentic way. Otherwise, it just sometimes comes off as if I'm making fun of characters and that's not, right. that's not real. That's not what you want. If you can't write yeah. them with compassion, you shouldn't be writing yeah. them. Yeah. Absolutely agree. You gotta have some agree. empathy. You do. To really make you the... do. 
You do. Yeah. You have to get inside their head and and understand what makes them tick in a in a in a authentic way, like with good intentions, not mm-hmm. um, you know, not wanting them. You want them to be round characters, right? And to do that, you have to know um, you know, you you mentioned earlier what what makes them tick, but also like it, you know, it's not just an apple. If they're eating an apple, they're eating a gala. And how they eat the apple actually reveals so much about their Mm -hmm. character, right? Mm -hmm. Like they just let the juice go down their chin or do they need a napkin? Do they cut it? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Do they save it for later? I like Um, to cut my apples. Well, that says something about you, Dan, now, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? Right? Yeah. Right? I'm now, what do you do with the core? Because that's another character trait. Like, do yeah, you I, eat it way down to the core? No, no. No, I, you're I, way I, before that. Because you don't want to get near the seeds. You make nice little slices. Oh, oh I you're see. One of those. He is one of those. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you do get, once you Sometimes have perfected it. Butter oh, oh, okay. you're not a purist. You're corrupting <laughs> the apple. Then what do you do with the core? Like, does the core get throw thrown? throw it out, yeah. Okay. Now, do you throw it in a compost pile or over a fence for a cow? Oh, we used to have a compost pile, and then deep. we got some this cow fart. Melissa goes. I've got twenty <laughs> more <laughs> questions about your apple eating before I could write you, Dan, as a character. Oh my yeah. God. yeah, it felt, feels like we're great. getting off track, but actually, these are good. Like, but we're not getting on tra- off if, track. If we're just like diving into the track yeah, and through yeah. the through if the ground. If you're really trying to get into a character, I like that. I'm struggling a little bit with some characters and voices in my own writing right now, and I think maybe just like journaling as them is a great idea. Totally. I was, I was thinking of just doing like, you know, a page. Or, or <laughs> She's like, fill and, a book and I, yeah, and with I, information. Well, even well, stuff that not you, cutting it. So right, I need to do more even right stuff now. You don't think that is going to make it on the page. Like I can tell right, you every right. one of my characters, favorite colors. I can tell mm. you, yeah. you know, which kind of swimsuit they like. I can tell you things that may or may not even make it into the book, but hmm. somehow I need to know that about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about another aspect, like how the characters interact with each other and how that reveals? I'm I'm super interested in this because I have two sisters and I feel like so much of who we are, it's how we interact with each other mm-hmm. and our parents. So I'm curious of how you, how do you like slow reveal that in the book? How do you balance sort of your scenes and your the development of the story and the development of the re- relationships and the development of the character that's like a lot to juggle all, mm-hmm. all at the same time and right. you don't want to give away too much at once right and then you add five point of views to it also that's going to require a <laughs> lot of spreadsheets and so mapping. did you say you were a virgo <laughs> i am totally a virgo would you like to see my spreadsheets <laughs> i think it requires layering i think I would do an entire pass just for plot, an entire pass just for voice, an entire pass Mm. asking the question, how does this one plot, and this won't be a spoiler, but the patriarch of the family dies Mm. early in the novel and Mm -hmm. and the rest of the hive is about grief, right? That sudden grief, how it changes characters and how each character changes and reacts differently to it. So even a scene like a funeral scene, you're asking how every single one of these characters reacts differently to them. So Maggie, Hmm. the older sister is caring for everyone, right? She, Mm -hmm. she would be taking care of everyone about the grief and Jules, the rebel wants, um, to figure out how she can get out of the situation. She just doesn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. Same situation, but every character is reacting differently. Um, Tammy wants to figure out how to get more attention. Like why is everyone at the funeral not looking at me? Mm -hmm. And and that's what Uh Tammy's interested in. And then Kate, the youngest wants to just hide and bury her emotions. So she's looking for places um, to to also escape the scene, but also not have to talk about it, which is what happens at our funerals. Everybody wants to mm-hmm. sort of offer their their mm-hmm. fake condolences, and 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 you're supposed to receive them. So I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, watching how 
you know, having a sibling that the same situation can happen and everybody has a different story and Mm -hmm. they're all right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. My version with my brothers is the right one, but my brothers completely disagree because they're wrong. Right. That's how it works (laughs) with siblings. Um, So everybody reacts to the scene, I think, a bit differently. And it's your job to keep track of all that. Um, Sometimes they surprise you, though. It's pretty amazing Mm -hmm. when you're writing a draft and you get like a a litter, a gift. Mm. Yeah, I, I do love that when you know a character enough where you you kind of have you get your plot going along and you kind of run out of rails in terms of plot and you're like, well, I guess what well, what would this person do in this situation? Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, maybe you don't know your character well enough, but sometimes you yeah, sometimes they surprise you. Mm-hmm. Like something that you weren't plotting or didn't have in mind for the end of the story or this end of the chapter, they'll that person decided they would go there. <laughs> well, sometimes you got to throw a bomb in, right? You got to yeah. literally throw a bomb into the plot to see how they're all going to react, um, <laughs> to see what surprises them. And, and sometimes they show you a side of themselves that you didn't even know was there, mm. right? That's so fascinating. As a nonfiction writer, I'm like, really? It takes on a life of its own? All mine yeah. are based on real people. <laughs> I, I, I think in fiction, you get to write sort of the truth that you want. I, I wish yeah. I had. I wish I had sisters, Rachel, but I have a whole bunch of brothers. So I wrote Aww. this book as a way of like, you know, imagining what sisters, what, what that kind of bond would be like. The magic of being a writer. You're like, well, I didn't have this reality, so I'll just make one. <laughs> I'm creating the world the way I want it to be. <laughs> oh, well, this, been, this has been so interesting to hear your perspective on this, Melissa, and I can't wait to hear from your new book. Um, and I know our listeners can't wait either. So stay tuned to hear Melissa read from The Hive. Gather. <laughs> gather, please. Um, if you can gather in. Gather around, gather around for the second half. And we're going to get started. We're going to get started. We'll get started. We're officially getting started. I'm not teasing you this time. Welcome back to the Interlude Radio. We've been discussing tools for building character in stories with our guest, Melissa Scholes Young. And now we're going to hear her read from her latest novel, The Hive, out from Turner Key Light Books on June 8th. Melissa? Thank you. I'm going to read to you from chapter two. Um, and this is Grace, uh, who I think is one of the most compelling characters. So I appreciate you inviting me to read about her. Grace knew she'd be the one to save them all in the end. Certainly she couldn't count on Robbie, but she'd be prepared. She'd rescue her daughters too, even if they were ungrateful. Grace made lists. She also made plans and contingency plans and worst case scenario plans. Surviving was all that mattered. It was life or death and Grace chose to live and to fight for her family because no one else would. As a kindred prepper, sometimes Kate would join Grace on the front lines in the cellar basement and help with inventory. One time she'd even caught her favorite daughter watching doomsday preppers and Grace thought, finally, someone gets me even though most of the preppers on TV were just showing off. Some of them thought it was a game. It wasn't. She preferred the term survivalist to prepper because surviving this marriage, this family business, and this life was a war she knew how to win. The list she wrote clarified the daily battle plan before she holed up on the front lines in her basement for real work. Most mornings, she mentally prepped on her front porch with her notepad and a fresh cup of coffee. Survival schemes blurred into grocery lists and home repair to-do lists and errands to run. She recorded the daily weather forecast for each family member's location. Clouds, 
rain, flood stages, snow, and ice were her love language. It's not that Grace didn't notice sunshine, but she saw the threats to her family more acutely. The sounds of the neighborhood soothed her as she plotted, especially the peaceful seconds after the school buses carried the kids away. The house sighed, Nacho stretched out on the rug by the front door. He'd let Grace know when their mailman Jerry dropped grocery flyers and bills in the slot, or if an intruder tried to storm their castle. The mat at the threshold read, Welcome, but no one really was. Even the distant call of the Thompson's leaf blower brought calm. Maybe they were finally clearing the woodpile that was surely the cause of the recent chipmunk infestation. When the bird feeder rush hour chatter began, Grace made a note to refill the hummingbird nectar. She understood their spastic energy and territorial intensity. The tornado of tiny wings calmed her. She checked her list again and saw duct tape crossed off. So why wasn't it where she left it on the workbench? Nothing could hijack a day of prepping more than low supplies. Grace yelled into the garage where she thought her husband was. Robbie, did you take my duct tape again? She didn't bother checking, just opened the door a slit and screamed. I bought a three-pack last week at Walmart and two are missing. Robbie didn't answer. He was probably there behind the tool bench in a lawn chair with a beer, but she couldn't see him without coming into the garage. And Grace never came into the garage, and Robbie agreed not to go near the cellar. The arrangement worked mostly. Even when he said he was listening, he wasn't. He stared vacantly and agreed with a passive okay, which Grace had learned meant nothing. Robbie rarely did what he said he would. After his heart attack a few years back, he promised to give up hamburgers, but he hadn't. Avoidance was his life motto. He decided any disagreement was a criticism. He's so fragile, Grace thought. Early on, it was his vulnerability and shyness about his emotions that she found attractive. Now he thought her was a nag. Whenever she spoke up, he should have married someone docile, someone without something to say. She thought he resented the tiny building her family had given them, even though it had kept them afloat. Loyalty was tricky. Sometimes you hate the thing you need the most. Grace had opinions, and because she felt unwanted in the family business, she was using her smarts to prepare them for the inevitability of the world collapsing. There was no other way to live. In the garage, Robbie usually busied himself with his ham radio, calling out to the other operators as bug guy. Beside his handheld and microphone was the frame license he'd earned from the FCC that allowed him to communicate on the amateur bands. Grace would have been annoyed by his hobby, but she was counting on his skill in crisis. She'd read it was the ham radio contact that kept New York City agencies in touch when their command center was destroyed on 9-11. At least it was a contribution. In the cellar, Grace began where she always began by unpacking and repacking the bug out bags. It was a daily meditative ritual. Among friends, Grace called them bobs. First thing first, grab and run. The blogs, the blogs claimed that hunkering down and defending was the primary line of defense, but survivalists like her preferred an escape route. Her family rarely took her efforts seriously and never helped prepare, except for Kate sometimes. Grace didn't like the idea of relying on chemical concoctions, but the idea of being stuck indefinitely in a perfectly stocked cellar with her husband made her stash Valium. <laughs> She'd peeled off the prescription label and wrote emergency use in black Sharpie. And then she added mom only underneath. <laughs> she decided not to share any Valium with Jules when she forced her to take an extra bob with her to college. What if it happens when you're a Ray, Grace had insisted. You won't be prepared and then what? I'm hoping not to make it through the apocalypse, mom, Grace had said, tossing the bob on the top of the rest of the boxes in her hatchback. That's my plan. That in college so I can get out of this shithole town. Grace had watched Jules' hot pink The Princess Saves Herself bumper sticker get smaller and smaller. She'd wanted to take Jules to college together. There had been a 70% chance of rain that day. She'd wanted to move her daughter into the dorm like they do on the commercials, but Jules would have none of it. She packed herself and barely said goodbye. It's only three hours away. It's not that big of a deal. But neither Grace nor Robbie had earned college degrees, and it was a big deal, even if Jules was too stubborn to know it. 
just like her dad. Three hours wasn't that far, Grace knew, except when a natural disaster hit or civil unrest broke out. In the basement, Grace cranked up the volume of the Rush Limbaugh show and shook out the contents of six bobs onto the work table. She ran her hands over each carefully marked plastic bag. Seeing through the bags made her checklist easier, but sometimes she liked to unpack them and reorganize them. It felt like an accomplishment in her otherwise mundane day. The government is not going to save you, Rush explained, and Grace listened. She was a God-fearing Catholic and believed the Bible when Isaiah said the Lord will come in fire and his chariots like the storm wind to, re- to wreck his anger and burning rage and rebuke in fiery flames. Grace's own mother taught her that you do what you have to do in t- order to survive, especially with limited resources. It was that simple, said the good book. At least now she could afford a few provisions. Grace would be ready. She'd hide until the first wave of violence ended. It could take years. And then she and her daughters would emerge, bobs restocked on their backs, and do whatever they had to do. Her tribe would prevail. She assumed Robbie would trail behind them and take credit for the whole thing. He had skills, it was true, but what Grace wanted most was a partner, an equal match, someone as devoted as she was to surviving. She'd made a list of her husband's liabilities, and it wore her out. As far as she could tell, loving her kids was too, too much was her only weakness. She was prepared to do anything to save them. Grace saw threats everywhere, which is what made Bob so essential and challenging. Each Bob had the basics. Folding shovel, marine raider bowie knife, Gerber multi-tool, fire starter items, flashlight, first aid kit, crank radio, rope, water, butter with filter, food bag replaced once per year, hygiene items, utensils, bowl, sewing kit, work gloves, extra socks, tarp, compass, batteries, Bible, bullets. But she added a few extras for each. A journal with pencils for Jules, who liked to scribble. A keychain stuffed for Kate, who even at 12 still slept with her army of dolls. A romance novel for Tammy. Maps and markers to keep Maggie's mind occupied. A full flask for Robbie. Lipstick and night cream in the secret pocket of her personal Bob. <laughs> Quite a list. That's Takes- great. I, I love a <laughs> wow. good list. Now you know list. how to pack your own Bob. Say if we have a pandemic and we need, you know, survival skills. Yeah. Holy. You could just read this chapter. So Grace is a trip, right? She's a great character to write and uh, and a hard one to write, actually. What I loved is that, um, well, first of all, one thing that we didn't talk about and I didn't think of as a way to reveal character was the birds fluttering around. So like darting around so fast and her the way she narrates is a constant like darting around like this thing that thing this thing i gotta take care of this i gotta take care of that and she's like frantic and so you know sort of taking the character and putting them in a it's not to get all crafty um yeah so that was awesome but the thing the funny thing is that the other characters came through so clearly um like the husband like playing with the cb radios classic i feel like you know that was a funny hat yeah and the, the, uh, i think the third person gives you a little bit of room to do kind of the, but we're still getting it through her mm-hmm, lens mm-hmm. it's and, still yeah. like it, it's still her chunk of the, the story mm-hmm. well and it's her idea of what each of the daughters is right which is of course different than what they really may be yeah right? she's imagining what they would need in that emergency situation um yeah, yeah. We, we were talking about having empathy for your characters night and i think all the journaling you did is definitely on show here that you know her really well and i think it would be easy to kind of i i always feel it's a little bit lazy when you have a character like this and you kind of 
describe them in a way where you're sort of making fun of them mm -hmm. a little mm -hmm. bit and then like the reader's kind of in on this joke but it's um they become kind of flat i mm -hmm. feel like if you do that too much so mm. um that piece had uh, there's still humorous bits but we're not really laughing at them um and you're you know even if you're even if you're coming at this and you think wow prepping's crazy or or you know you're totally on board with it what where, wherever you're coming from you understand how she feels mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and i think we used to think prepping was a little extremist uh, <laughs> but man pandemic and then we ran out of toilet paper i know it's become <laughs> mainstream um and and most of the movement has changed i think it used to be more doomsday preppers like mm -hmm. you know guys who look like rambo and that was the first thing at prepper camp they said this is the first person who dies like you don't wear yeah. your resources right <laughs> <laughs> that the, that's dumb like that the movement was much more about being self-sustainable and uh -huh. so much of the prepping that hmm. is the reason it's become mainstream is that people you know are feeling during a pandemic that maybe they are on their own right like yeah. maybe these structures that they've relied on um you know it's moved away from conspiracy theories more to just how do you get through a weekend when mm -hmm. you can't get toilet paper and water right mm -hmm. like yeah so unfortunately it's become more mainstream as i think people have learned and, uh -huh. and but i i wrote this long before the pandemic um i just i didn't know that it, it was going to be become so popular yeah. <laughs> to have to survive so relevant to us all right 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 <laughs> but it was hard to understand her because because i'm not like her right it was it, mm -hmm. and i think that's when you're writing a book like the hive that's about the political divide Mm -hmm. You really do have to have compassion and empathy and yeah. genuine curiosity, right? Because it's not as interesting to have characters that just dismiss each other right. or don't want to, um, don't want to talk about hard stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have too much of that in the, in the discourse as it is. Like we, we, have, we don't, we don't need that in our, in our yeah. novels. Well, we certainly have plenty of noise. I don't know that we have actual discourse. Uh, sure. Right. Maybe I'm being a little You're being generous. You know, we get to write the world we want to live in. Uh -huh. And I, I too want to live in that world where, yeah. uh, where people understand each other. But yeah, it was challenging to write characters whose politics I don't agree mm -hmm. with, um, but it seems so relevant. And so important, I think for building, um, just building empathy for people that don't live like you. Like there's yeah. such a divide between rural folk and city folk and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we can't even imagine what their world is like and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's our responsibility as writers to create that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great for the writers and good for the readers too. I mean, that's precisely. Why, yeah. Yeah. I hope Boy, I so. Reading. <laughs> I certainly hope so. Um, I think we have a, a natural tendency to say people are the other people are like this and the other people are wrong. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And that to create the other and then just and then you can justify. Pile on. Right. Yeah. Then you can justify. And that, <laughs> that, was, yeah, that yeah. was the big question. Like, when does this turn into such an othering that you would commit an act of political violence? That mm -hmm. to me is this driving question throughout mm -hmm. the book. And 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 what better place than to have a politically divided family where things are supposed to be safe, right? Where things that mm. where the structure is supposed to support you and then watch how, um, you know, they try to survive together. It really tests the strength of 
the hive you see <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh you see what i nice. did there nice. you see that well i can't i genuinely can't wait to read the book i'm gonna pre-order it it's available for pre-order um at any of your local booksellers and you can find out more about oh. melissa on her website melissaschoolsyoung.com um, but we're not saying goodbye to melissa just yet up next we'll hear how melissa dan and i all did on a little character building writing prompt stay tuned Welcome back to the Inner Loop Radio. We turn now to our favorite game here on the Inner Loop Radio, Yay. writing prompts. Dan, I feel like it's so <laughs> apropos that you're subbing for Courtney today because the prompt you gave our listeners for the Quarantine Inspiration series was all uh, about character. Yeah, that was, um, I, I loved doing that that series and being able to do a whole episode. It was, it was really fun. That was personally my favorite writing prompt of the whole series. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, it was the, the writing prompt was to write about an object from the perspective of two different characters. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but the writing prompt we did today is a little bit different from that. I recommend that. Uh, if you're interested in that, check it out on the Interloop Radio. It's a pretty good episode. Listen to the episode with Dan. He, he tells good. you all about it. And he <laughs> demonstrates good. the prompt in a really cool way. <laughs> um, but today, our character building prompt is... Um, that we did with Melissa is to write a character description or rather introduce a character without using adjectives or adverbs. That was hard. I was going to say, Melissa I don't was like not it. happy with I this. I don't like it. First of all, I don't like being told what to do. So, <laughs> I immediately rebel. I will write what I want, when I want, how I want. Yeah. Melissa's first question was, well, what if my character says an adjective? I can't right? control them. I can't. They just talk. Yeah. She spent her five minutes trying to break all the rules. <laughs> I needed to understand the rules first there were no diagrams there was nothing no charts I, nope no nope. spreadsheets definitely need yep. some mm. i'm not trying to tell you how to write your prompts but <laughs> yeah i say uh, we could workshop them a little bit right yeah. <laughs> i don't mean to be the teacher here do but... i have to be silent while you guys talk about how good my prompt was um, <laughs> i will just say it was challenging to remove a real tool yeah, like adjectives and adverbs mm -hmm. that seemed in, unintentional. It seemed cruel intentionally cruel, right? And writing's hard enough. Yeah, you're just kind of mean. <laughs> well, just mean. I just like to torture writers on the show. It did. It did force me to think. Like, what can I do instead? Yeah, right. Like this. This I, is what I'm interested in. Just seeing how we got around it. How each of us. I bet each of us did it differently too. Yeah, which probably. is going to be mm -hmm. so good. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go first, Melissa? I wrote a scene. I wrote a scene, but it's mostly talking. Great. Is that okay? Of course. Okay. All right. Nope. Um, no, no, it's no, not. It's I'm out. So <laughs> Melissa got around it with dialogue. Let's I hear. did. Let's see. Donna doesn't have her regular deck. She borrows one from the crystal shop where we meet on Main Street. Are you open? She asks. Her boho bag. I'm, I'm censoring as I go to see if I've got <laughs> adjectives in there. <laughs> a hole at the bottom of the bag has been mended with a patch. She's wearing scrubs. Do you see on each of those I wanted to put adjectives totally, before? Yeah. Totally. I know the, the sentence has definitely got more terse. I know. Yeah. I, I think so. I answer without knowing what exactly I'm open to. Most things, though. Donna 
softens her shoulders and leans in. There's someone with you. I look around the store. It's just the owner talking to a customer about Reiki, Donna, and me. Did you ever do a Ouija board? A waft of incense finds me. When I was a kid, sure. It scared my cousins, though. But not you, Donna assures me. She's right. I stayed up late after my cousins, crawled into sleeping bags, and asked more questions. My hands alone guided the planchet. I could spell faster without their help. I had so many questions. Curiosity was dangerous in my family. Ooh. Hmm. That like does not that. make sense without all the adjectives to describe the character. <laughs> she had this cool paisley patch and rainbow bag and yeah. you're just taking all that away. Um, I feel like you got the patch in there without I the do, paisley. I do. Yeah. But relying that on the That told me a lot. It what? I feel like that told me a lot about you her. You think so about yeah, Donna? Putting the patch on there because mm-hmm. I would just buy a new bag. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. That's sure. true. That's yeah. true. But she, Donna knows how to sew. Yeah. Because Donna charges like a dollar a minute for tarot. Oh, <laughs> tarot reading. So that's good. In cash. In cash, of Dollar course. Dollar a minute. That's kind of a bargain. I thought so too. Well, it was down south. Oh. Not up here. Not in these parts. That explains <laughs> did she, it. Did she like really try and draw it out? Really no. get? Oh, really... no. No, she was a perfect. I mean, this is, you know, something I just did was, I mean, this is nonfiction. Um, but no, she was a perfect mountain tarot card reader. Just real straightforward. That's cool. I was really, really cool. I had a lot of questions. Yeah. But I can't tell you about any of them because I don't have adjectives or adverbs. You yeah. see. So not <laughs> Melissa's so mad at me. <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. The it's question. hard to do. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to yeah. do. But I feel like you pulled it off. Yeah. I, I, nice I really had to think like dialogue. We just have to write dialogue. That's yeah. all we can do here. Mm-hmm. Um, How did you handle it, Dan? Um, did you so, do the dialogue trick? Nope. I... I was trying to think like, you know, you can't really use like colors. You know, I leaned into more like metaphor okay. language mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, well, at what, like, what does my character look like? Can I use another object? Mm-hmm. Just like a plain object that the character looks like. And then I don't have to use any adjectives. I'm just, this person looks like this. This is mm-hmm. another noun. And yeah, I felt nobody like I was, said no similes or metaphors. That's true. I was thinking yeah. about the hummingbird. Right. Mm-hmm. So I tried to get around it that way. And uh, I'll, I'll just, it's not very long, but Go. I'll just read it. Hit it. We call him Bricks because he looks like a stack of them. Same color, same shape. Bricks never runs, doesn't need to. Just puts one foot in front of the other and it sounds like stone hitting the pavement. When Bricks talks to you, you feel it more than you hear it. He gets down into your bones. We were all friends with Bricks because if you aren't his friend, well, then you're nothing. When Bricks eats, he puts away five times more than anyone else at the table. But nobody says a word. When you build out a stone, it takes more to keep you going. And wow. I wanted to keep Very nice. adding to like it. like a whole flash fiction. That Publish amazing. that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Today. Done. Wow. Real I love nice that. character sketch. And I did appreciate your, I think you had a simile and a metaphor in there. Did I, did I successfully avoid the uh, adjectives? I didn't hear any. Did you? I, hear, no. I saw you perk up at one point. You um, were like, no, I thought it was, I, I perked up when I realized you were going to use the description as the name of the character. Bricks is a, that's a, just a fabulous. It, it, yeah. It fantastic. does a lot of work. Sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. Does a lot of work. Yep. Very impressive. Yeah. Brilliant. When I, I, when I came up with like stack of bricks, the rest just sort of wrote itself. Like what is. Fell out like a ton of bricks. What is it? Good- <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney's not here, so I have to do a bug okay, on her so back. I 
actually, I think that Courtney's not here is why this prop works. Because if you bring in the poets, forget it. Yeah. That's cheating. <laughs> That's cheating. It's better to have fiction writers and nonfiction writers. Totally. Yeah. It's harder for us. Right. <laughs> poets Definitely. can do anything. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Jerks. They've got more skills. Um, okay. I'm not sure what I did. So maybe you guys can tell me. <laughs> It's a perfect way to start workshop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm that girl. Um, okay. Sandra ate sardines every morning with a relish demonstrated in no other aspect of her life. She ate them in the privacy of her kitchen just before sunrise, slurping up the last spoonful of spine, scales, and intestine as the sky pulled off its pivot from night to day. The plate of oil sat in the center of her shadow for a moment of silence before Sandra scraped her chair across the tiled floor and set about the rest of her day. Nice. You got a lot of good detail in without relying on adjectives. I think that's pretty, that's commendable. (laughs) There's a lot of detail. Yeah, the oily. Mm. And I love the secrecy of it too. Mm -hmm. That's pretty... I mean, you think you're going to do something What's going on weird with in this? there. Right. She's this. just slurping up her anchovies. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> She's slurping probably up, up to something else. She's me. definitely into something else. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> What's that so Sandra weird. up to? <laughs> Love that. And I think you did. Uh, you made really good use of verbs. You're like, well, I don't have any right. adjectives. So, so I'm going to verb it up. Yeah. <laughs> right? And you even debated relish when we were going through the prompt. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. do we make this a noun? It can't. Can it be? <laughs> we put an infinitive. Does it make it? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little grammar lesson. <laughs> yeah, we had a little grammar lesson. For sure. You do have to actually know grammar in order to avoid your adverbs and adjectives. I know. It turns yeah, out. I mean, as, turns I, out. I feel incredibly... It's stupid about grammar for someone who's trying to cope as a writer. <laughs> I feel like I should understand grammar quite a bit. I don't think I understood it really until I had to teach it. And then yeah. apparently yeah. when you have to teach something, you really do actually have to know it. Or you learn another language. Yep. You're learning mm-hmm. another language it. and you realize you don't know what a noun is in English. Then it's, you have to go back. Or gerund. Absolutely. Explain gerunds. I, I, I can do that. I would, would you, it's different podcast. Different podcast. <laughs> Ooh, let's make a little spinoff. <laughs> Oh my God, this has been the best, the best. Thank you so much, Melissa, for being on the show and playing along with our little game. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is, uh, I love to be back with the interlude. You're always welcome back. That's our show. We we will be back every other Monday. Not Dan or Melissa, just me and a phantom Courtney. You'll miss us. I know. (laughs) I will. <laughs> Dan. Did you know that the Inner Loop has lots of programming for writers in the DC area? We do readings, retreats, uh, which I love. I'm there. Dan comes to every them. single retreat. Everyone. <laughs> uh, workshops, a summer residency, and more. To read all about it, visit us at theinnerlooplit.org, where you can also donate to support us and local literature. You can follow us on all of the things, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at The Inner Loop Lit. Today's episode was produced by me, Rachel Kuntz. Our theme music is by Andrew Logan, and our technical advisor is James Skinner. Thanks again to Melissa Schools-Young for joining us on the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, write us a love note and send it anonymously through the mail. Or better yet... Leave us a real good review. A review such as... Wait for it. Wait for it. It's coming. It's going to be good. Courtney and Rachel knew they'd be the ones to save them all in the end. Mm. Well, that's good. Yeah. 
That's a podcast I want to listen to. <laughs> and don't forget to subscribe. You better subscribe. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Happy writing. Right on. Right on.